Hi, my name is Lindsay Adams, and you are listening to Mindful as a Mother. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for therapy or the therapeutic relationship, and the information given in this podcast is purely for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the advice of a professional. Hello and welcome back to Mindful as a Mother. My name is Lindsay. I'm your host. I'm a child therapist and mindful motherhood educator, and I am so grateful that you are here today. My voice is a little raspy, stuffy, because I have the winter cold that everyone seems to have right now. Today's topic is the one the age group that you can never pay me a million year a million dollars to go back to. I would rather stab myself in the eye than be this age again and you could offer me any amount of money and I would still turn it down. And this topic gets requested a lot and um I actually love working with this age group in therapy. That's the funny thing about it is because it's the age group I disliked the most growing up, but I tend to work with them the most and I love working with them the most and there's probably a connection there. So if you haven't already guessed, it is middle school. Oh, the fun middle years. Oh man. So I'm going to give a general overview of what's going on with your middle school or things you can do to help keep the connection strong during the middle school years. And then I may come back and do a specific episode later on depression and anxiety because those are the main things you see in middle schoolers. But I just wanted to give a general overview for the first episode I've done in a bit. Thank you for bearing with me. I've been a little bit absent from podcasting and recording because I've been trying to find the balance in my own life with running a private practice, running like this podcast and my course business, and then having three kids. And so I'm really taking this last 90 days of the year to try and figure out where I want to be, how to balance it all and get really solid in the things I already have and see what I need to get rid of. And I really love getting on here every week and talking to you and sharing things with you. And so I'm just so glad to be back and it's going to definitely be more of a priority in the next 90 days. So if you have any suggestions, feedback, topic requests, please DM them to me at Lynn's underscore Adams LCSW on Instagram and I will definitely get to them. Or if I've already done an episode on it, I will send you the episode. Okay, so here we go. Middle school. Um, So a lot of people, I don't, or the middle years, teen years, tween, whatever we want to call this, I hate the word tween. I don't know why, but it gives I have a visceral reaction in my body when someone says tween that I just um, don't like that word. So preteen, whatever we want to call it, the period between sixth and ninth ish grade. Now, I say sixth because a lot of times middle school does start in sixth grade, but also we're finding that kids are maturing faster and younger than they ever have before. And I think this is likely due to technology and their exposure to the world outside. It is it is so hard to keep kids young these days. 
it's just a very different world than we grew up in. And so that's one of the first things I want to talk about is when you think of yourself as a middle schooler and your experience in middle school or my experience in middle school, what I think of, there were no cell phones, there was no social media, there was no... I don't even know if we had like dial-up internet at that point. Maybe we were just starting to get it, but there wasn't like, and if there was, I know there was AOL chat room, so we must have had dial-up internet, but it wasn't like, like it is now where these kids have constant access to um, social media, to likes, to connection with others or perceived connection because it's not actual connection. And they don't have TikTok and all, or we didn't have TikTok and all those things. So all those things are contributing to your middle schoolers experience, which can make it really hard to relate to them because we did not grow up in the same world that they grew up in. But there are some things that have not changed since you are in middle school. And that is the brain and how the brain works and where it's at developmentally and how it processes information. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about that so that you can get an idea of where your child is, but also remember where you were at this time and it can help you in relating to your child during these years. Okay, so the thing that makes middle school so hard is the P word, which is puberty. So kids often start puberty at different times and I know it seems like Kids are starting it younger. I don't know if there's any research to suggest that. I think that's more of like a socialization type thing. Um, But a lot of people have theories and you can research these yourself about like hormones in our food, creating the onset of puberty or causing, not creating, causing puberty to happen earlier. I think a lot of it also has to do with genetics and when you went through puberty or when your husband went through puberty is likely a good indicator of when your children will go through puberty. So that's why they do the big, in Utah at least, I don't know about other states, but in Utah they do the maturation sex ed. uh, Girls have periods talk around fifth grade, I think. So what happens is um, hormonally between the ages of, I think, seven for puberty usually starts around the age seven between seven and 13 in girls and nine and 15 in boys some start earlier or later so keeping that in mind so we have this surge of fsh and lh both girls and boys have the same hormones they just go to different body parts different places so and then we're growing they are super awkward in their bodies So that's what's happening hormonally and physically. You also have their brain developing and the neuroscience piece, which is what I'm going to talk about next. The brain is the one signaling to your hormones, your pituitary gland to release these hormones. And when these excessive hormones are released, that's where you see the increase in emotional, um, like, dysregulation, lack of a better word, just being like volatile emotionally and being impulsive. So it can seem like, gosh, my kid is so impulsive. I never recognized it before. And it's not that they were before. It's that the increase in hormones and their body adjusting to this new amount of hormones can create that impulsivity. So what you have happening is you have all these changes in the body and the brain, and then you take the social piece, which is often the hardest time for kids because they're starting to look and feel different and they don't quite know how they fit in with the world around 
around them. They're starting, they already care more about what their peers think than their parents and they're starting to really want to fit in with peers. So this is where like they will keep secrets and things from parents because they really just want to fit in with peers and they want that separation from their parents. They start to notice that their parents are not cool or start to not like them. They want to push boundaries. They start to have attraction to the opposite sex or the same sex, just sexual attraction in general. Um, all of those things are happening all at once. And if you remember, like, I want you to just close your eyes and think back to when you were in middle school. And I chuckled because I don't ever want to do this. But, um, and you think of how intense emotionally things felt. Like when your crush didn't like you. Or when your friends didn't want to sit with you at lunch. Or when they were ignoring you. And these are things I often hear about in therapy with kids. You think of how intense that felt. And that felt like the end of the world. That is what these experiences feel like every day for your middle schoolers. And that is simply because their emotions are processing through a different part of their brain than they do for us adults because the prefrontal cortex isn't fully formed till 25. So from now till 25, we're having like really intense emotions processing through a really um, emotional part of our brain. So we're having big reactions. It feels like the end of the world and things are, they feel really out of control. And so then our, our kids come and they tell us like, my friend doesn't want to sit with me at lunch or my friends didn't wait for me in the lunch line. And we're like, oh, it's not a big deal. Or, you know, we kind of brush it off. And to them, it truly feels like the end of the world. So my first tip for you is when your child is coming to you with these concerns, feelings, when they are taking that effort to open up, before you respond to anything they say, I want you to pause and I want you to remember what your experience was like, even if you had the best middle school experience ever. And I want you to validate where they're coming from, because in that moment, it does feel like the end of the world to them, or it does feel like the biggest deal. And so to even say, I, I totally understand how you could have felt so sad and lonely, or like everyone was looking at you in the lunchroom when you were sitting alone. That is the first step to keeping your kids opening up because the key to surviving this world now with social media and um, all of the influence that the internet and technology and our, their friends have on our kids is to keep the connection open because if we're not able to have regular conversations with our kids about sex about relationships that includes friendships and romantic about academics about life about mental health because this is when we start to see the teen suicide then we we really lose our ability to guide them through these years and it's often more about what we are doing to put the block in the relationship than where they are at developmentally. Because we are not growing with them developmentally, we're still trying to parent a kid who we think is in elementary school. So we have to adapt with them and grow with them. And here are some ways that are really simple that you can do that. And I know it's not easy. I know it's emotional and hard and it really can be a scary world out there. But keeping these things in mind will make it a lot easier to stay connected to your child and you will likely feel less nervous about the world and middle school because you will know that your child is talking to you. I personally 
was the type of kid. And I don't know that it was because my parents did anything wrong. I think it was just the kind of kid that I was. I did not talk to my parents at all about middle school. And maybe I did a little older in high school, but, and my parents were always very open with me about sex and drugs and all those things because I, my parents were teenagers when I was born. (laughs) So they were very open about those things. And I'm just like maybe shyer by nature, I think. And I didn't feel as comfortable talking about what was going on in my life. And so what I did is I was the perfect kid on the outside. I got great grades. I um, was an athlete. I was doing all the things and I think my parents didn't know the full scope of maybe what was going on with me as a teenager and luckily nothing major happened. I was doing maybe I made some normal mistakes at that age but I didn't go to them and talk to them about it at all and when I think of my own experience with my kids I don't want them to have that same experience. Not that my parents did anything wrong. Um, Like I said, I think it was more of a me thing, but like if I want my child, even if they are like maybe a little bit perfectionistic, a little bit anxious, a very goody goody is maybe how I would have described myself at that age to feel like they could talk to me about relationships and sex and boys rather than feeling embarrassed by it. And all kids are going to feel embarrassed talking about sex with their parents and they're going to say ew gross mom but the important thing is is that you have a conversation early and often and honestly you model healthy relationships and and sexuality type things in your day-to-day life now that does not mean what you think it means what I know you're thinking you're wanting me to be like sexual in front of my kids no No, I'm not, but I'm wanting you to, if you're married, to model a healthy relationship where you're affectionate, where you talk to your child about how you love each other and the commitment you've made to each other or whatever that looks like in your specific situation. I'm not telling you to do anything that's gross. Okay. Okay. So number one way to stay connected and keep the conversation open with your kids, show interest in things they are interested in. This could be Pokemon, TikTok, YouTube, video games. Really hop into their world as confusing and boring as it is. Now, as someone who does this for a living with middle schoolers, I'm going to tell you, I know absolutely zero things about anime or video games, but every kid that comes into my office and I, they think that I am so interested in what they are telling me that they would never know that I've never watched an anime in my life. And that doesn't mean that I'm fake. It means I'm just showing genuine interest and asking genuine questions about things that they are interested in. Now, I totally understand that as a parent, this is about a hundred times more difficult because I only have to deal with a kid for an hour in my office and you have to do the day to day. But when they're playing a game or watching a TikTok or um, watching YouTube, ask them questions about that. And you know, those topics that your kids are like, telling you all about it and they just won't stop talking about it, um, listen and ask questions. As annoying as it is, as much as you don't want to hear about it, do it because that is the thing that shows them that you are interested in things that they are interested in. And if you want to go above and beyond in this arena, like 
offer to like watch a YouTuber show with them, offer to learn to play Pokemon cards, watch TikTok with them. And if your kid has TikTok, you should probably always be watching TikTok with them because I am never not appalled at the amount of adult content that is on that app. As an adult and as a therapist that is on TikTok, I love that app for children. Holy cow. Yeah. So just be watching them. Um, but even watching anime with them, and I know there's lots of anime that's like pretty risque, maybe is the right word. So saying we're going to watch this together, right? Like, and I'm going to look at the ratings and we're going to watch this together. And then you can talk to me about it or a video game. Let's teach me how to play this show interest in them because that's literally all they want. And the difference is, is that their interests have changed from little kid things to these bigger kid things that you maybe don't understand or, um, and they're starting to develop their own values and things that they like. And they're maybe different from us because they're starting to see themselves as different people from their parents. And that's where it's hard to maintain that connection because like, um, my kids started watching and they're really young. This is like not a middle school thing, but I am not like a fantasy person and my husband loves it and he wanted to watch Harry Potter with them. So now they're liking Harry Potter. Um, and I read the books as a kid, but I've never seen the movie. So now I'm thinking, okay, I need to like make an effort to sit and watch these movies with them because yeah, it's not my thing, but if it's their thing, then I want to be involved in it. So you could do something like that. And hopefully it's just Harry Potter and not anime. <laughs> you can tell I really just don't understand anime at all. Um, and I know that Lots of people like it, but I just have such a hard time. If you have a hard time with anime, send me a DM. Tell me how to get into anime. Someone explain anime to me, please, or why it's appealing to teenagers. My next tip is remember what it was like for you at this age. Remember that exercise we did earlier. Remember how intense those feelings were. Remember how it felt when you found out your crush didn't like you or that you found out your friends hung out on the weekend with you without you. Remember that it's a hundred times as intense for kids these days because they are seeing it on their story or their Instagram or they're getting um, like talked about on the internet or things like that. Be aware that, you know, that when they when they can't get a hold of their friends and then they see that they made a TikTok together or that they're on stories together hanging out without them, that feels just as crushing and it's way more in the moment and in your face than it was when you just heard people talking about the sleepover you weren't invited to on Monday morning. And you remember how intense that was. So imagine how intense this is for your kids. And when they come to you and they say, oh, hey, like this really hurt me talk them through it, validate them. Don't say you should do this. You should do that. Do not lead with solutions. I'll get to that one in a minute. The next one is allow independence where applicable. When they've earned it, when you feel like they can do it, allow them to be independent because that is what they are wanting at this age. And we are wanting to tug them back into being little kids and they are trying to rush into being teenagers. And the more we allow safe areas of independence, the less likely you will see that rebelling and sneaking because they won't feel like they need to. You need to help them meet their need for being more independent. So if you have a ninth grader that wants to get a little job, help them find a job. If you want, you know, if they want to babysit or stay home alone, help them figure out how to do that. Maybe it's a couple hours while you're at the grocery store or whatever you feel comfortable with. Because if you try and push against them all the time, they're going to push back so much harder than if you had just helped them figure out how to be independent at an age appropriate level. 
I think at this age, we start to forget that our job as parents is to guide kids into being good adults, right? Part of guiding them into being good adults is guiding them into being independent and taking care of themselves and helping other people and forming their own relationships and, you know, going to a movie with friends alone or whatever that looks like, right? And trusting that they can handle these situations and they'll do the right thing. And if they fail, because they will, right? If they fail, we want them to fail when we are their safety net and can protect them and the failures are small. If they fail by doing something they shouldn't, we want them to do it in our home so we can support them and love them through it rather than when they're 21 and they get arrested. So it's good to start giving them some form of independence now, whatever's age appropriate, whatever you feel comfortable with. Maybe it, yeah, maybe it's just like going to the mall with friends alone. Maybe that is like the first little step and you'll trust that if something negative happens, they'll talk to you. And then when they do come and talk to you, don't overreact because then they'll never talk to you again. A lot of middle school is just controlling, parenting middle schoolers is controlling your facial expression and reactions in order to keep the connection open. Um, this leads into the next point of like keeping the connection open and talking about mental health and sex and drugs. You want to talk about these things early and often talk about how they're occurring in their, in their, with their peers, in their life, um, and how they affect them. So when your teen or your preteen comes to you and says, my friend has anxiety or depressed, um, don't have the reaction. This is what you don't say. You don't say, oh, my age, there was never self-harm in middle school. It must be the internet that's like making you guys self-harm. Okay, yes, it's true. But also not the reaction you want to have. You want to talk about like, oh my gosh, is your friend okay? What's making them self-harm? Have you ever thought about self-harming? And not in an interrogation type way, but from the perspective of I care about you, I love you. I want this to be an open-ended conversation so that then when they're sad or they consider self-harm, they know that you're not going to have a big negative reaction to the issue and they feel like they can come to you and talk to you about it or when they make a mistake when they accidentally um, drink or smoke pot or do whatever that is, whether it's in high school or now, then they feel like they can come and tell you and you can help them with that mistake. The next tip I have is be a guide, not a dictator. This is the hardest part. Let them make their own decisions. Don't tell them what to do with their life, their friendships. They are their own people And we have to let them navigate life. So if they are making terrible friendship decisions, we can say, you know, I see why you would make that decision. And that's maybe not the decision that I would make, but I'm here for you if you want to talk about like how that decision goes. And then when it goes the way you know it will go, because you're an adult and you've seen this before, then they will come to you and you can say, oh yeah. And you don't say, I told you so. What you do say is, yeah, I could see how that could happen. What do you think you'll do next time to prevent that from happening? Rather than, I told you that you shouldn't be mean to your friend, that this would happen, or that you wouldn't have any friends if you acted like this, or whatever that is. Guide them through the experience. Do not tell them what to do, because then when they do what they want, because if you didn't know this already, I'm going to tell you, they're going to do what they want. No matter what you say, they're going to do what they want. They might be scared enough of you to wait to do what they want until they're a little older, but eventually they're just going to do what they want. 
And so you'd rather know about it, right? Like you would rather them be able to come to you and talk to you and have you walk them through that than to push them so hard away from doing what they want that they just hide it from you. Or they're making these mistakes in private or they're doing things they really shouldn't be doing and they end up in real trouble. So um, give them the option to do what they want in a safe way up front guide them through learning these experiences, help them figure out how to earn money, how to pay for things, how to, you know, instead of coming down on them and lecturing them and, you know, all that. The last piece of advice that I have is don't give advice unless they ask for it. This all fits in. If, and you can ask, like, do you want my advice or do you just want me to support you? And then you can throw in your two cents. And I know it's so hard because we just want to say, listen, I know that there's plenty of fish in the sea or it doesn't matter that your friend's not your friend because it's just middle school and it won't matter in 10 years or that you don't have any friends because it's just middle school and you're amazing and you're brilliant. We want to say all those things because we love our kids so much and we can see the awkward hard age that they're at and all of our good intentions are the things that wreck us in the in these middle years. So I just want to tell you you're doing a great job you love your child a lot. I can tell because you're listening to this podcast and you show up for them and you're going to keep trying to show up for them and have that relationship. And if you bring yourself back to remembering that the relationship is the most important piece, you cannot fail. The relationship is the most important piece. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you liked this episode, please go like share it to your story or subscribe, rate, review. I will probably reintroduce mom fails next week because I can hear my kids running around upstairs. So I'm going to go see what they're doing. But um, I'm trying to think of a good mom fail I have for you. I've had so many since my last podcast that I can't even. Okay, this is the most relevant one. And I don't even know that this is a mom fail, but it's kind of funny. So we're out trick-or-treating and my brother's there. My brother-in-law is also there and my sister-in-law and my husband and my three kids. So one of my children refused to eat dinner, ate way too much candy. Um, and we were just all kind of standing there talking, deciding where to go next. And my, my brother-in-law looks at me and goes, Lindsay, Ella just barfed on your leg. And she did. She barfed all down my leg and on my shoe. And I was like, oh, great. So I was so busy talking. I did not recognize that my kid was barfing all over me. And then I smelt like puke for the rest of Halloween. But at least everyone looked scary and was wearing masks, so they could not smell the vomit coming off of me. Hope you have a great week. See you next week. If you want more of Mindful as a Mother, you can find me on Instagram at Lynn's underscore Adams LCSW. Once again, at Linds, L-I-N-D-S underscore Adams, L-C-S-W.